This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we are reviewing some great geek content. Geek boner! As we discuss the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and season one of Andor, both on Disney+. Plus. We'll also tell you our favorite Christmas time movies and more, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, November 28th, 2022. This is Frank Grillo. You know me. But who are you? Are you the discerning, sophisticated type of person who enjoys all the latest comic book and superhero TV and movie news? Pop culture references, witty banter? Me neither. I'm just here for the dick jokes. Check. Check one. All right. This is Roy Fans out there. Let's give it up. What's up, listener? How's it going? Welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! Perfectly timed. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's the Nerd. And joining us is everyone's favorite holiday elf, it's Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? Ho, ho, hoes. That's a lot of hoes you got over there. Just three. We need a rug boy version of Elf on the Shelf. Can we do like rugs on jugs where it's just a picture? Of, oh, I like that oh, idea. A picture of you on some, some on bosoms. Like Erica Leniak's jugs. Yes. Something like that. Yes. A picture yeah. of rug boy sitting on top of Erica. Those Lenniak. just enormous jugs. <laughs> You've heard of me on them? Oh, Elf my on God. Shelf. This is rugs on jugs. Rugs on mugs. I don't know what else rhymes with rugs. but uh, I listened to your show last week without me, guys. Yeah, we missed you. Welcome back, uh, Anthony. Yeah, how was Thanks. Cabo, by the way? Warm. Uh, it was. It was fun. It was warm. It was nice. I uh, haven't put my body through the ringer like that in a long time, so I definitely oh. needed uh, a couple days there to just kind of get back to being uh, even. Oh, uh, I was yeah. definitely out of balance for a little bit there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The older you get, the longer it's going to take to recover. You can start feeling yeah, percent, and you can be like, "Whoa, what happened? I used to be able to bounce back." Welcome, welcome to the club. <laughs> Thank you. You're, Thank you. You're not. He's not excited about it yeah, at all. Uh, He's know. not. Every day, Anthony ages. An angel gets his wings, or something. <laughs> I'm get happy. Uh, it's keeping in the holiday theme. Anyways, we got holiday stuff to review and Star Wars. Believe it or not, and we're gonna get right to it right now. The Jock and Ned Podcast. Disney released another special presentation. We are going to be reviewing the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Here's your spoiler alerts. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Prepare to be spoiled! And this, I believe, is like the official conclusion epilogue of Phase 4, whatever you want to call it. It is the end of Phase 4. Phase 5 starts next with Ant-Man. Uh, they filmed this while they're shooting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, which I'm looking forward to. This thing right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 90% with 42 reviews, uh, 7.7 out of 10 average rating, 83% audience score. Of course, written and directed by the James Gunn, the guy who has brought the Guardians to life. Uh, in two movies and a bunch of cameos in other Marvel movies. So you have the, most of the Guardians crew starring in this. Chris Pratt, 
returning as Peter Quill, Dave Bautista as Drax, Karen Gillan as Nebula, Palm Clementif as Mantis, uh, Vin Diesel voicing Groot, Bradley Cooper is the voice of Rocket, Sean Gunn, James, Gunn, James Gunn's brother playing Kraglin, uh, and an animated Michael Rooker Yandu also featured in this and introducing to the MCU Kevin Bacon as Kevin Bacon, who's now MCU canon. Joining the Guardians, though, is Cosmo, the dog uh, from nowhere, the collector's dog, who is voiced by Maria Bakalova, who uh, you may know as playing the daughter, Borat's daughter. And she was amazing in that second Borat movie. Hilarious. Oscar, Oscar nominated. Yeah, she did get an Oscar nomination for playing Borat's daughter. I can't remember her name. She was so good in that movie. Uh, and now she is Cosmo, the space dog. She's the, the voice of the dog. You're saying yes, yes, yeah. The dog's got a little collar that talks that like reads his mind, right? Uh, Anthony, what happens in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Well, similar to the last holiday special, this is under an hour or last special presentation, excuse me, which was Werewolf by Night around the Halloween. Yep, under an hour. It is about the holidays approaching in nowhere, which the Guardians have now been tasked with cleaning up. Or they bought the it. Of they Celestial. own it. They bought it. Yeah, yeah. they bought it. And now they're, they're running the planet. And as told in a flashback via animation, Chris Pratt's character, um, what's his face name? What's his name? Peter uh, Quill. Star-Lord, Star-Lord. Peter Quill has never really been able to celebrate Christmas. So Drax and Mantis decide they want to travel to Earth and get on the perfect Christmas present, which they think will be someone Chris Pratt or uh, Star-Lord has always idolized Mr. Kevin Bacon. And we just shenanigans go on from there. Because uh, he, he's, remember, he's told told them stories of Kevin Bacon throughout the movies. In the first Guardian, yep. second Guardians, and Endgame, he tells them as if they're real things. Yes, he loves Footloose and regales his teammates with tales of Kevin Bacon's heroic shenanigans. Uh, Anthony, well, let's start with you. What did you think at the end of this 42, 45-minute special? So Christmas specials are supposed to give you that warm and fuzzy feeling at the end that make you want to do things for Christmas and be with loved ones. And in the in James Gun James Gunn's own wacky way with Mantis and Drax, I think it accomplished that. By the end of the thing, I was going. This felt pretty Christmassy. Yes, this felt very holiday. This felt. You know, this is obviously big stakes. They do reveal something, which is yeah. something that, uh, you know, you wouldn't have known why, unless you watch a special, which was kind of a big deal. But it's fun. I I legitimately laughed out loud with some of the stuff, Drax and Mantis, some of their interactions. Um, I thought it was they made some original music. I think everything just kind of worked. Uh, the part where they uh, reveal... All the lights and stuff for Star Lord's very charming. Oh my God, it's so it, it it's all so kinda, It all just kind of worked. I think Marvel's again hit something here with these little one-hour specials where they're just doing fun stuff and they're not tasked with creating an entire series for Disney Plus. They're just creating tasked with making something short, simple, palatable, and and it's, it's it works. I, I I really enjoyed it. Nice, Rugs. What what do you think? I feel like. It did what it's supposed to do. It's a Christmas movie. You watch it. You you get the little Christmas cheer. You have a little fun. You laugh. There's some good jokes in there. I like the music. 
Uh, I thought that was all well done. Uh, you got Kevin Bacon, you know, being in on the joke. And uh, it's pretty funny, like what they put him through and all that other stuff. But at the uh, end of the day, is this something that you would repeat watch? I I watched it twice. Oh, you did? Look, I I watched it. uh, I didn't watch it twice, but I went back and watched some of the jokes. Okay. I think, hey, I'm just going to put this out there right now. Uh, I fucking oh. loved it. I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed this. This is it, it's a great throwback to like the 80s Christmas specials. I love a good Christmas special. Uh, I will watch this every Christmas. You know, you can watch it with all <laughs> the other stop motion and Home Alone. You're uh, going to watch this every Christmas? I would watch this every Christmas. It got me in the feels. It's very heartwarming. It's charming, delightful. The chemistry between Mantis and Drax is so good, and they really gave Mantis... Uh, some good stuff to do. She was kind of always kind of a side character, but you see her kind of kick ass. You see her climb around walls and be all fucking fast. Uh, and she's great. And those two together, when they go to Hollywood, there's so many great things in this that you guys already mentioned. I want to dive into the music and everything. I thought they nailed it. It's pitch perfect. It has a little bit of everything you want in the perfect Christmas special. Starting with that opening flashback animation that was uh, that rotoscope style, right, Rugs, which is very reminiscent of like the 70s and 80s, like Ralph Bakshi stuff. That's right. Like American pop and shit like that. Yeah. There's a whole Lord of the Rings movie like that. And I love that because that reminded me of like the the uh, 80s cartoon Christmas specials. And then even the, the opening in the Marvel logo, you see uh, panels of Christmas comic book stories from Marvel. Oh, you know, they, they replaced the regular comic art with Christmas Christmas stories. Uh, that was great. But yeah, the two big things we learn is that they bought Nowhere, the head of the Celestial, from the Collector. Yep. So I guess he survived. So this is their base of operations. And it looks like they've, they've got responsibilities. Like Peter Quill is like signing forms and they're import-exporting something. So this is going to be huge moving forward. And then the fact that Mantis reveals she is indeed Peter's half sister, I guess he goes her yeah, father half too. Sister, yeah. Well, how did they? How did that uh, come about? We just said uh, it. Yeah. Well, she. Yeah. She just. Uh, that's why she feels like she needs to get him a gift because she feels she's his sister. She doesn't want to tell him he's his sister, but she feels that sort of responsibility. So she's known there. this whole time. She's known. Yeah, but she hasn't told anybody. Weren't there hints in the last movie? Maybe when they were going around talking about him dropping seeds everywhere. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's banged a lot of bitches. Yeah, he's uh, he's got babies all over the place. But just the fact that Peter, like, he's sad because of Gamora. He has no family. Uh, and we find out, you know, Yandu doesn't completely ruin Christmas because he tells him the rest of that story, which is also touching. And then that moment, like you said, when he turns all the lights on and they've gone and they decorate the whole place, like, that set looked great. It reminded me of, like, when I was a kid, our father would take us to... Uh, the nice part of our, our where we live to go through and see the Christmas lights. The people would drive by and these are these elaborate fucking crazy lights and we do it every year growing up. For some reason, my sister and I, we grew up Muslim, but we love Christmas shit. I don't know how you can explain this. It's just a <laughs> wonderful feeling. I love the spirit. <laughs> so I, I just, it, it just, it hit me in the right place. But let's talk about some of the jokes. Some of the best stuff's gotta be when they first get to Hollywood. And they, the oh, no, even before that. Yeah. Oh, yes. When they're talking on the thing and she's talking about his secret, their secret, and he's, he's like, is it because you ate all the Zarg nuts in the commissary? <laughs> and then she goes into it and he goes, he's like, like he, she's like, should I tell him? He's like, I'm talking about the Zarg nuts. <laughs> she's like, stop he's talking like, about the Zarg nuts. <laughs> so you're the only one that cares about that. <laughs> I really enjoyed Drax in this one. I thought it was just, 
It was stupid, but it was funny as no, hell. Batista for me. did a really good job playing this character like the way he, he plays. Why it. is everyone staring at us? Did you put on the the cloaking and he like slowly puts it he's on? Like, he's of like, of course I did. She's like, I can see you doing that right now. He's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> or the guy asks him to dance, and he's like, dancing is for people who are pathetic. <laughs> just like but dude the, so in the beginning like cosmo fixing the things and we learned she's got telekinetic powers and her and rocket are cute can we talk about the music he does let's every, start off with a musical number yes yeah. this is a real band it's one of james gunn's favorite bands called the old 97s playing Ooh. this role and it's hilarious they're like we just learned how to play these earth instruments and the song they write, what an alien's point of view of what Christmas, they think Christmas is on Earth. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. It's so clever. And just I shout out. It. I don't remember the lyrics, but I enjoyed it. He calls like a, a Santa creepy and there's a lot of like deep cuts to other. They, they have like fire like shooting out of the sleigh or something like that, right? Yeah. And Peter's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> uh, but shout out to him for this soundtrack that features an eclectic group of Christmas songs. You won't find like one traditional Christmas song in here. And I thought it was a great song. I didn't know that there's a Smashing Pumpkins Christmas song. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. They play on the radio yeah. all the time. I didn't. I was like, is that fucking Billy Corgan? And then uh, this dude, Julian Casablanca's covers... The Christmas song. Yeah, from The Strokes. From, no, oh, that's who he is. Julie Casablanca from The Strokes covers the Horatio Sands. I wish it was Christmas. I wish yeah. it was Christmas from Saturday Night Live. They would play on those shitty little instruments and he does a whole. I was like, is this the SNL song? This is it's amazing. And then you get even Kevin Bacon. He has a band, the Bacon Brothers. But he jumps in and sings a Christmas song. I love the soundtrack. It works so well. Yeah, it was packed with music. Just good. Yeah, I I really I, I thought it was a uh, very clever, especially the amount of you know they had to create a new a, a little funny ass song for it. And I I enjoyed that opening bit. It just sets the tone right away of this is like a goofy Christmas special. Yeah, but it's like some something so familiar and comforting to at the right. same time. I'm like, yeah, it oh. feels like a song you've already heard, even yeah. though it's not. Well, the whole it's special just, is something that I'm like, this is all very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And familiar the way the that's, that's a good way thing. to put it. So I love when they land in Hollywood and people start they get to Times Square and that she thinks it's Steve. Times Square. Is it Times Square? No, it's Los Angeles. Shit. It's man it's Hollywood. <laughs> it's Rodeo Drive. Man's right? Chinese Hollywood Theater. Boulevard. Yeah, Hollywood yeah. Boulevard Chinese Theater. And she sees the guy dressed as Captain America. She's like, Steve, and jumps on him. And then they just get paid money as people want to take pictures of him. And there's a dude as a GoBot, Psykill, and and Drax gets mad at Mantis like a GoBot killed his cousin. Everybody copped out. Meaning, are GoBots fucking canon in the MCU? Are there actual GoBots flying? Didn't around? Marvel do GoBot comics? I think they did. They did uh, Transformers, definitely. You know what the GoBots are, Anthony? Oh, I don't. I don't. What are the GoBots? So back in the day, you had the Transformers, which was yeah. your big high end transformer transformer property, big franchise, and then everything had a knockoff, right? So the GoBots were like the second tier oh, version I of see, Transformers. They also had a cartoon. They weren't as expensive or as articulate, but Leader One was the leader, and he was a jet, and Psykill was a motorcycle, and he was the leader of the bad guys. You remember GoBots, right, Rugs? Did you like GoBots? I think GoBots were a, a comic in. Oh, actually, no. They would. Are they, are they canon or not? I can't. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm looking on the internet, and it only says the one credit for GoBots in Marvel is this special. So, oh, so maybe not. Did you have any GoBots growing up? Oh, I had a shitload of GoBots. Yo, GoBots are fucking great. I had Transformers. I had all that shit. 
I had all the I had Robotech. I got it all. Micronauts. I had all the fucking. I had it all. See, well, I was buying I, toys all the time. When I grew up, that's how you could tell like what kind of economic class you, your friend was from is if they had Transformers or GoBots. If they had both. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That was super yeah. fancy. Well, the thing is, is the GoBots are easier to come by and they were smaller and you can get more of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were like Transformers, you had to drop like 50 bucks for what? Like they were die cast, they were legit, they were big, and the GoBots were smaller. It was like much like a third of the size, so you could like, and they were cheap because they were made in America, I guess. So yeah, they never got the respect they deserved until now. Thanks, James Gunn. I don't know why. No, the picked. Transformers are way cooler. They were way cooler. Yeah, they I were love, way, way cool. Love the GoBot mention. How about the whole club scene where they're getting drunk? That's hilarious. Ah. Uh... Do I remember that? I don't know. You remember they're taking shots? Yeah, well, that, that was the line where, where she says dancing is for people that are pathetic. I think I looked at my, I was looking at my phone. <laughs> <during> that <part. laughs> they, they get drunk and they end up outside slumped over. And that's when they figure out that they can buy the star maps and get to Kevin Bacon's house. Well, that's when she uses her powers on the woman and takes her money. She uses yep. her powers a lot. This is, she has some fucking intimidating. This is a great power set, right? Not only could she kick ass and climb walls, but she could just tell people to do whatever they, she wants them to. Like, that's dangerous. That is powerful. Yeah, yeah. I thought she just made people sleep. It never even occurred to me that she could just say anything. She's basically a purple man. That's oh, a, yeah. With antenna. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Kevin Bacon abduction, also hilarious. Well, that, like, when she's like, you think you could throw me? And he just tosses her over. <laughs> she's like, what are you And then doing? she's like, I didn't say it. And he's like, toss you over, not toss you over. Make up your mind. <laughs> no, but when they beat, he picks up the little elf, and she's got a candy cane, and they're leaving. And he's like, oh, wait, I have to go get my little elf man. Little goes, green man. Little yeah. green man. She goes, what's more important, Peter Quill's happiness or oh, a little green God. man? He goes, uh, the, the delivery on that, where he's like, he thinks about it for a <laughs> yes. second. He goes, he says it under his, he's like, little green man. Little she's green. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, why do you get to keep your thin, swervely man? She goes, you think this is a man? The candy caves is all like, this is so funny. And then the cops show up, right? And they just kind of fuck him up. Not lethally. Well, well, no, they're shooting at yes. Rex. And he's like, oh, man, that tickles. Stop it. Oh, my God. It's so great. I think he's like, I'm going to shit my pants or something. <laughs> I love it. He flips the cop car. He's just laughing his ass off like a little kid. Uh, but she's like, you can't kill people. And she takes them out. All non-lethal is pretty good. So uh, some other weird shit. They get Kevin Bacon. And she had, and they, then they they thought he was an actual hero. Real, real person. Yeah, real hero. Yeah, when, and the this take that the show had, these characters have on actors is hilarious. Apparently, all of the Guardians think actors are repulsive and mm-hmm. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I find hilarious. As actors, they get to say these lines. Yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little in meta joke. Uh, and then even later, you have Nebula going, "Oh, I guess all actors aren't all pieces of shit." Right? <laughs> Is then, that the one major uh, curse in the whole thing? Yeah, they did say they get away with a shit. They did get away with one shit. She said it at the end. She says it. Yeah, Nebula. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then she makes then Mantis makes Kevin Bacon be a hero, and then he 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 name drops Batman. He's like, "I'll be Batman." He's like, "No, I'm Bruce Wayne." I was like, "What the fuck?" Okay. <laughs> They love but first he starts talking like a British accent, yes, right? Yes. He He's like, I'm a World <laughs> War II commander. She's like, no. She's like, how do I how do you want me to do this? She says something like, just do Kevin Bacon, but one that doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. 
and then, uh, yeah, no, and then the whole reveal of having him in the box. Well, they do the nice, like, the, the, the charming Christmas stuff. You know, you see him, they call out Star-Lord. He walks around. They do, like, the reveal of the lights and all the decorations and all that stuff. And you get in the Christmas feel and then the present. And then you see that it's a box. Like, there's a human being in the box. <laughs> it's Kevin Bacon. And I do love how Kevin Bacon runs, but then he's talking to Craglin. And he realizes, you know, he need, he needs to help Peter. Uh, make his Christmas better. But I do love when he goes, is that a talking record? Rocket's like, I'm going to kill you. And Because at first he's like, "Everybody, we're not going to hurt you. And then he just fucking lunges at him. Uh, it's so much well, fun yeah, Star-Lord's like, don't run. And he immediately gets him out of the trance and he starts running. Of like, course. Oh, shit. Of course he's going to run. Oh, and Nebula has some great lines. She like cracks her gun. She's like, I'll get him. And then you hear her go, you can't run from me, Bacon. And she's running after him. Kevin Bacon, I thought was great. He's uh, he's uh, he was a lot of fun in this. Does he? Does that him really doing the music number at the end? Uh, yeah, he he is in a band called the mm-hmm. Bacon Brothers with his brother, so he does sing. Okay, I know he sings, so that is him singing. And also, that was his- yeah, he's been singing forever. Yeah, got it. And that was his wife on the phone, Kara Sedgwick, like the, his real wife that he's talking oh, to. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, and I love the moment where they go, where Peter tells him the rest of the story and that Yandu, he gave him that little green thing that he has in the ship mm-hmm. and Yandu gives him his blasters. So well, he, that, you're forgetting too, that Mantis reveals that he's, oh. he, she's his sister and he's like, oh, that's the best present. They do like the whole yeah, I don't know. Christmas heart, heart, in your feels type stuff where they hug and they love each other. It's so heartfelt. I don't know why she was scared to tell him. Uh, well, she was, she was saying it would remind her, remind him of her dad that killed his mom that is true yeah a lot of bad blood what about the presents everyone gets these are this is some great little fucking easter eggs here what was the presents again so I that part. nebula gave rocket fucking oh, bucky's arm bucky's arm oh, yeah. how did the fuck she get that that was great and then groot makes these dioramas those are great of everything that's happened and gives them to people, right? So he gives one to Drax of Drax flipping a police car. I don't know how he knew any of this shit happened, but he clearly He's did. Groot. He's Groot. My favorite is Craglin's because Craglin's diorama is a diorama of Craglin getting a diorama of Craglin getting oh, a yeah. diorama. That was like an infinity <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, diorama. I was like, oh my God, it just goes on and on forever. Uh, what did we think of how Groot looked, by the way? This is like, this is not the He's same. Pretty He's pretty diesel. Yeah, he's pretty big. Is it a guy? In, it wasn't a guy in a suit, was it? Part of it, I'm I like, I, I think they probably had a guy dancing around, that, and then they CGI'd around it. But I, I, I vividly remember during the opening bit, I'm like, "Whoa, Groot's jacked!" Because you just you can see him in the corner, just loving life, dancing to that soup, that stupid song in the beginning. Oh, they yeah. want you to know that it's a different Groot. It's not the same exact Groot. He's been yes, hitting the bench press in, the, in his off time because he's he, been taking protein. Oh, shit. Sure. Yeah, it is not the the original Groot is dead. This is baby Groot, who's now somewhat a teenager, I guess, still. Uh, and then there is a post credit scene that's kind of cute. It's which one was that? One? Nothing. That, so Groot is standing there with all the lights on. And his arms out, and then he he just drops his arms, and everything falls. And oh yeah, yeah, they're decorating crew. Yeah, and Rocket's like, well, now we got to do another holiday special. I love Cosmo though. Cosmo is such a cute dog, and the whole thing was great. Again, these special presentations are so good. The two for two, I feel like they knocked it out of the oh, park. Yeah. It's a great standalone story, but it they, they leave you trails for. What do you think anything will come out of this in, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Like, they have a new base of operations and this new relationship, right, with 
Peter and Mantis is like the two big things. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I don't know if anything big will come out of it. It's not meant to be like that, but, you know, they have the fact that they're at nowhere, which, like you mentioned in the, the, the Star Lord Mantis relationship, now it adds a little bit more of a dynamic to them. So she's not just sticking her, like just hanging around, but she's actually got some sort of agency and purpose too. So it's not meant to be a alter, world altering, universe altering thing, no. but it accomplishes its job. I, I definitely, as mentioned when I started, by the end of it, I was. I felt like buying someone a present. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this is nice. <laughs> want to do good for humanity. It does make yeah. you. It gets yeah, it makes you, you, makes you want to do something. Rugs, any other things you liked out of this? Well, uh, I mean, you guys mentioned all the stuff that I was going to say. I I think the overall aspect of it, it was lighthearted and, you know, it was, it's good for the family. I guess if you sit around with a bunch of people and watch it, I think it could be fun. And lots of it's it's lighthearted, so it's uh I I it's a good what is it forty five minute 45 long five minutes yeah about forty five minutes yeah just it's a good easy breezy time because like if you imagine if they did like a six episode series like the mantis mantis and Drax thing is cute and it's fun but like it's not going to sustain multiple episodes so it's no cool. this is like a one shot one and done uh there's nothing else in the movie driving it except for this funny plot. Of, of them getting Kevin Bacon. And so just the fact that that in itself is funny, uh, that drives the whole thing. So you're not, it's not like sometimes in guardians of the galaxy, you'll have something really serious going on. And then they'll have like this humor that'll interrupt right. the flow. Right. So here, since it's aimed directly at this nonsensical thing, like Kevin Bacon is a present, like there's nothing to interrupt. It's like all very straightforward, you know? So, uh, and everything's playing to that joke, so it it, it works really well. So uh, they, they're not getting in the way of anything, so it, it it works very well. Do you guys think this may be an answer to you know how everybody's saying they're having franchise fatigue, Marvel fatigue? Uh, and with they put out a lot of TV shows, some of them didn't need to be six episodes. Some could use more, but these. Special presentations are are just the right amount of content to not get you hired out. And we last week, Anthony, I comment on Isn't this. Isn't it bad? Isn't it bad though that you can't take more than forty five minutes or an hour of something? Uh, well, it's, if it's <laughs> yeah. not written well, you know, throughout the six hours or whatever, it's easier. Plus, these these single special presentations, you know who the director is, and his style is all over. You know, the same thing with the Werewolf by Night. We saw Michael Giacchino, what he did with the black and white, and this is like all James Gunn. I mean, granted, he did The Peacemaker, and that was some great writing. Uh, but I like these these one-offs. Anthony, comment on Bob Iger returning oh. to oh. Uh, Disney. Bob Chapek out last week, happened suddenly a week ago. I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with this. It's, well, like, There's real no, no connection there, but um, I mean, this was already in motion long before Bob Iger probably was coming back. Yeah, that's true. Uh, sounds like Bob Chapek had a lot of controversy around himself and the way he was handling things. So um, probably was a good move to get him out because there was just a lot of bad PR stuff that was happening with Disney, whether it be um, the way they had botched Scarlett Johansson's situation yeah. with her getting paid for Black Widow. Um, there's a number of other things you can look up online that were controversial under Bob Chapek. So um, 
Bob Iger was the best for them. So hopefully that's uh, bringing him back was is, is going to be a good thing. I think there there was a rumor online. I don't know if it's true or not that like Bob Iger's end goal is to sell Disney to Apple. So I heard I've heard this rumor, and that this 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 talk has been going on for a while. Like every now and then, you hear this Apple buyout. Um, kind of nuts. That would be crazy. I don't know why Apple would want to hand like they can't. They don't know anything about parks and shit. Like why? Or right. they would sell it off piecemeal, maybe once they bought it. But it's a crazy business to own. But they could absolutely buy Disney, no problem. Yeah. It would be like no peanuts problem. for them. Yeah, they could buy like fourteen Disneys. I think was yeah. the number. They are a two <laughs> trillion dollar company. Apple is. Right. Yeah, and Disney is what like a couple hundred billion. It's nothing. It's nothing. Like they could just put out a phone and make more money than Disney does for like five years. Yeah, it's crazy. But does Apple want all of that? That would be nuts. And I, I don't know. Feel like the government would step in, maybe also be like, hold on. You can't see. Can't owe we'll everything. See. I want to ask Anthony the question I asked you, Imran, yeah. last week. Yeah. Is that okay? This is I. I feel like this whole thing with Bob Iger is just PR. It's not has nothing to do with. They're trying to market it as a creative change or whatever. But if you look at the timeline of how movies are made, like JPEG didn't really influence any kind of creative decisions. Like we're still getting Bob Iger yeah. approved stuff coming out. He wasn't there long enough, really. Like yeah. just under yeah. three years. So yeah, like, I mean, a lot of the Disney Plus stuff was. I mean, like a lot of that was probably Bob Iger. Yeah, they were already. So I don't think that they're trying to spin this as oh Bob Iger is going to change. Like Chapek fucked up. Like yeah, a lot of like PR stuff, but not the actual creative stuff. Like the actual creative was already kind of in the works before Iger even stepped on. Yeah, he just he was just a bad mouthpiece. Yeah, I think that's really what it. I mean. I'd have to look up again all his all the controversies, but a lot of the stuff Bob Chapek was doing, it was just creating bad PR around Disney. So I think, especially for a public company like this that's losing share, it's losing stock. What they what they want to do is they want to change the optics on something like that. Yeah, and yeah, I, I totally agree that I think creatively, I don't know if we'll see a ton of different stuff, but it's I think. Bob Iger was much more well liked amongst Disney employees, and I think was much better, seemingly, at kind of handling things so that they didn't get out of control in the media and then affect the share. Price. He is better at those, you know, stakeholder meetings and at all the presentations. He knows how to talk. Yeah, I to just people. I just saw a lot of stuff online on Twitter about like all these people like trying to own. Oh, you know, chapex has gone, and that means that the Disney's like doing the wrong thing and they're going to get Iger back. I'm like, no, I'm like, all the stuff has been Iger approved. Like that we're getting, like, don't you see that? Like it takes three or four years to get something off the ground and made. And like, not enough time has passed for any new shit to come out. And so, yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what Bob Iger can do in bad times. He was had a Disney and great glorious times in the world. Now we are post pandemic. He still needs to cut costs. Uh, I I think they were going to do like a hiring freeze and some layoffs. He might still have to do that. But I think with these special presentations, I can see him going to Kevin Feige maybe and be like, look, maybe we do less TV shows and more of these special presentations. It's going to cost less and we're oversaturating the market anyways. And maybe you focus on the movies. I don't know. Stuff like that, maybe. But these 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 things are great. I need more special presentations. Yeah, I, I I've enjoyed both special presentations i don't know if uh 
I don't know if special presentations are like the thing that's going to replace TV shows, but I think sprinkling these in is smart and um, definitely interested in seeing them do it with uh, all sorts of different, you know, maybe new characters, maybe continuations of stories like this. I'm interested to see what they do with it. They can do like Marvel team up and shit like that. Oh my God, that that would be so much fun. Yes, just like quick standalone stories. Uh, All right, let's rate this thing. And then if you want to rank it somewhere, maybe phase four. I don't know. It's kind of like I said, it's you can't really compare it to the TV shows. You have another special presentation. So Anthony, whatever you want to do, what would you give oh, this? Man. Well, I'm trying to think here. I, I would probably rate it an eight and a half out of 10, maybe even nine. I'm going to go nine. Oh, nice. Go nine out of 10. And I'm not going to rank it amongst phase four because it's just, it's different. And I, it, I haven't really thought about it like that, but uh, I'm, I'm debating right now in my head if, or I, actually out loud, if I like this better than Werewolf by Night, right? That's a good question. I think I had a, a, like a more warm feeling coming yeah. out of it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to have them tied. I don't. Th- yeah. I don't. I don't know if I like either better. I like both almost equal because this one's much more intended to be warm and funny. Yeah. And Werewolf by, by Night is intended to um, kind of throw you back to that you know those Universal monsters type feel, and it did that. So like they both have accomplished exactly what they wanted. Yeah. And so in that sense. Yeah, I rate them both the same. I would agree. I was going to give it a nine too, but yeah, it is just as good as the the Werewolf by Night in a different way. But look, the series have been hit or miss. They're two for two so far on these special presentations. So just saying something, Rugs. What about you? What would you give it? I think for what it sets out to do, it's a co- it's a comedic Christmas episode, and so it does succeed on that level. People who never watched Guardians of the Galaxy could probably enjoy it because the plot's just so outrageous. You can easily understand it. So with that, I'm, I'll give it an eight. Nice. Solid eight. I think it was uh, well executed. Yes, so much fun. It's in my Christmas rotation now. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> in between Home Alone and uh, Christmas I thought you were vacation. a Home Alone guy. Oh, no. Are you wrong? kidding me? I fucking I love that movie. I'm not a Home Alone guy. He's there not the is. Home Alone guy. I could do every uh, fucking line. What, what, as far as Christmas specials slash movies, what's, what's on your list? I don't like anything. Wow. <laughs> right. To be honest with you. Lame. <laughs> What about the one where the with the what's the what's the one is it Christmas Story the one with the kid that's Ralphie shooting. there's Christmas Story yeah with, uh, the, with the the leg lamp that one's Regile. all right it must be a that one's all right that one's all right because it's just so I don't know it's just it's so its own thing I don't know I really don't know what's the best Christmas movie Christmas oh. Vacation Christmas Vacation is great uh, but I just I also love the TV specials like the stop motion Frosty and Rudolph and the the one about Santa Claus uh, that's the one with Rudolph uh, those are always fun to watch whatever they're on uh, I, I love I mean Home Alone's my all time favorite the but best. Uh, I mean if you're looking at here you want to know a Rotten Tomatoes top 10 okay I have some of these I've never heard of so oh so I like Scrooged Scrooge is great too Meet yeah. Me in St. Louis from 1994. I don't know. 1944. Never I don't heard, know what that is. Okay. The Shop Around the Corner. That's 1940. Miracle on 34th Street. Ah, the original one from the th- uh, 40s or 50s or whatever. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Tangerine is either. Claws from 2019. That's an animated food movie. Nightmare Before Christmas. The oh, animated that's film. a good Tim one. Uh, <laughs> Little Women. That's not a Christmas movie. Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. Yes. Argue this all day. Krampus, anyone? Christmas story. I'm now I'm just picking and choosing. 
Edward Scissorhands. Would you consider that a Christmas movie? Uh, yeah, that's kind of a Christmas movie. Uh, Batman Returns. Returns. Gremlins is Gremlins a Christmas and, movie, yes, because he gets it for Christmas. That's right. Batman Returns, yeah, it is a Christmas. Batman yeah, Returns is a good one. I would watch that. These are Bad all Bad Santa. Bad Santa is a okay. That's one. a good Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah. No, I know my favorite <laughs> Christmas movie is. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. It's Elf. Oh, Elf oh, is fantastic yeah. how can too. We, how yes. can we forget about saying Elf? Santa. Yeah, Elf, Elf is fucking great. I know him. Uh, Elf is fantastic. It will be a classic. But I mean, a Charlie Brown Christmas. That one's also good. I love the Charlie Brown music. I think this Guardians, uh, you know, it's up there somewhere. It makes it in. Uh, Can you believe the guy who directed Iron Man directed Elf? Right? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! It's amazing. Hey, look, let's, what does what does EW say? The twenty best Christmas movies ever. Santa Claus at twenty. With uh, Tim Allen. Oh, yes. that's a good, that, that's like the first one. Oh, what's the what? Jingle all the way. With the Sinbad oh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's got Schwarzenegger. its charm. It's Arnold's in it. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Man. All right. Let me, let me read the 20 real okay. quick. 18 National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Right. That's got to be in there. Scrooged with Bill, Bill yep, Murray. Yep. Definitely a good one. They got Die Hard at 16. Yeah. Miracle on 34th Street from the 47. I never. I don't know if I've seen that one. It's been a while. I've, I've seen it, but it's been a while. It's yeah. sweet. Yeah. A White Christmas. Bing Crosby. Yeah. Lots of music in that one. Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. at 13. Trading Places oh, I with Eddie about Murphy at 83. Dak and Aykroyd. That's a good one. Home Alone, 1990, 11. 11. And Rudolph, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from yes. 64. That's the one. Rankin and Best, stop motion. Number nine, The Year Without Santa Claus. Yeah. Santa played by Mickey Rooney. Oh, Jesus. Eight, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, that's good. That's a fun one. 2003, Bad Santa is seven. Love Actually at number uh, you six. You know what? I've never seen this movie. Everyone loves this fucking movie. I don't know why. Romance. Yeah. How the Grinch Stole Christmas from 1996 at 1966. The Chuck at Jones five. TV version. Yes, yes. It's fantastic. Elf at number four. Oh, at four. A Charlie Brown Christmas at number three. Ooh. A Christmas Story at number two. Uh-huh. And It's a Wonderful Life at number one. It's a Wonderful Life will, will be up there. It's a long movie, and it's kind of depressing. But R- of Ruggs doesn't watch... You, so you don't throw on any Christmas movies during Christmas? I'll watch Elf. I'll Elf. watch Scrooged. Uh, I'll watch Vaca- uh, Christmas National Vacation. Uh, I, I've i seen all A Christmas Story a thousand times, so like I know that by heart. Like I don't need to ever watch uh, you it You want to watch the new one where he comes back and he's all I've already old. seen that. Is, I've already seen good? that. Any good? Eh, no. yeah. What about the Star Wars one? Wasn't there a Star Wars? <laughs> no, no, no interest Well, in that's that. the holiday special <laughs> that, you know, that the inspired this one. And right. that was that also had animation and live action, but it was very goofy and weird. And Chewbacca's family was there. And you can probably watch it on YouTube. Hmm. With all the tracking on the VHS tape, I'll, I'll miss. So. Die Hard, Christmas movie or not? Absolutely, hundred percent Christmas. Really? Yes. Does it have presents? It's during Christmas. It's, Does it just have Santa? to be during Christmas? Yeah, it counts. Does I it? Think, I think it counts. Makes you makes you uh, appreciate your loved ones. Iron Man three is also a Christmas. Well, movie. Yeah, I guess, but that's just Shane Black likes to do right movies <laughs> at Christmas. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I yeah, it's all Christmas. Oh, uh, isn't uh, Lethal Weapon during Christmas? Yeah, yeah. right. They yeah. fight in the front yard with Gary Busey. Oh, that's right. In uh, Danny Glover's front yard with all the Christmas shit. 
It's a West Coast Christmas. There's no snow. It's hard to remember. Yeah, West Coast Christmases that makes it rough, right? Like it makes it tough to like get know? in the Christmas vibe. Did you ever see that movie with Robin Williams toys? Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. really good. What the fuck was that about? That was, was a that crazy about movie. Christmas though. No, it's like that was a, a weird movie about a toy maker or something. Was it about Christmas? I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm looking it up now. Let me see what it says. I don't know if you could do a whole show around Christmas movies because I'm not that passionate about it, but you could definitely. Definitely have fun ranking. You could do a whole show around Hallmark Christmas movies. There's thousands of them. Oh, God. No. Yeah, this guy gets a toy-making company, uh, and they're going to make war toys, but he stops them. Oh, so it's not not just toys for war. It's not about Christmas. Yeah, but it's a toy maker and a toy-making company. Oh. That is a that's a oh, I would watch Barry Levinson. I'd watch that again. Anyways, this is we're done with our Christmas talk. Merry done Christmas. with Christmas. We're done with Christmas. I mean, you're Muslim, so you've probably been offended this entire time. No, I love. I told you, I listen to like <laughs> holiday jazz Christmas music at work. It's very confusing to people. What, what do you as a well? You're not really a practicing Muslim. <laughs> but, uh, what, do you celebrate Christmas or do you do you just do your own thing? Well, that's the thing is like our equivalent to Christmas is like the end of Ramadan, right? That's the big holiday, but it shifts on the calendar every year. Mm. So once every like 30 years, it'll land in the same time as Christmas and Hanukkah. So, okay. Uh, The Catholic or the Christian Christmas is supposed to be, you're celebrating the birth of the Messiah, right? Right. The Immaculate uh, Conception. Right. You're celebrating that it's a miracle. That it is a miracle and that it, that it's like a signal to everyone that we should, we should rejoice and, 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 you know, show a love to your family, whatever. Right. So is there anything not, I'm not saying close to that in the Muslim religion. Is there, is there anything like anything like that? Like where you're, that's the focus of the holiday? Uh, not really, because the Muslims don't believe that, like, Christ was God, right? We don't, we have Well, I'm not prophets, saying Christ. So. I'm just saying that there is some great uh, m- m- uh, a moment a or prophet, a pit. right? He's a Three prophet, days. yes. He is a prophet. Well, I'm just saying, not, not, not towards Jesus. I'm just saying, like, in general, is there like a well? That's where like yeah, that's the end of Ramadan, the Eid Eid al Fitr, where it's like after the sacrifice, there's you give you're supposed to give gifts, and it is kind of like our Christmas. When I was little, I would get cash and presents from relatives, and you exchange things and eat sweets and you know hang out with your family. And you're supposed you're supposed to like yeah to spend time with your family. Yeah, but, and, and be charity thankful. is a big part at that time to give charity around that time. Like you get more blessings, blah blah blah. So there is like a it's similar, yeah. Yeah, there is like a uh, other side. Well, same thing. Yeah, with the uh, like Hanukkah, right? The eight days of presents. They get presents. There's every everyone has a thing where they get presents. Right, but that, that that's because isn't Hanukkah because the oil lasted or something? Yeah, I don't know. The, yeah. the, their miracle was that I think I don't know. I saw the Archer <laughs> special, and he made a great. He, he, he made it sound so funny, but he was like, "Yeah, our holidays because oil lasted for like eight days." Yeah, that's why. And that's their miracle. Like the oil was supposed to not last, and it did last. You can watch Adam Sandler's movie. I'm sure he explains it. <laughs> hey, crazy guys. Nice. Nice. Well, we'll I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like if, that's the way he explained it. That's <laughs> uh, not my perception of it. That's why he explained it. According to Wikipedia, it is commemorating the recovery of Jerusalem and the subsequent rededication of the Second Temple at the beginning of the Maccabean revolt against the Seleucid Empire in the second century BC. Ooh. I don't know. Okay. Some sort of revolt. It was a re- All right. It was a rebellion, which is what we're going to talk about 
shortly. So let's wow. take, look at that wow. segue. What a segue. How about that segue? Let's take a break that's, here. That's the best one you've ever done. I'm going to play some promos, and we're going to talk about a different kind of rebellion done. in a galaxy far, far away right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. My name's Donnie, and I host the Adulting with Donnie podcast. I started this show as a way to offload some of my thoughts every week, and I quickly found out that I wasn't really alone in those thoughts, and I was connecting with other people who kind of felt the same way as me. So join me each week as I pour some whiskey and offload some thoughts about news, entertainment, politics, just whatever might come to my head during the week. So that's the Adulting with Donnie podcast, and you can find it anywhere that awful podcasts are served and also great podcasts. Hey there, everyone. Brian here, host of TV Trivia Pod. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? And what's everyone eating in the post credit scene of Avengers? Play along to TV Trivia Pod anywhere you get podcasts. And stay tuned for more trivia! Doc and Nerd. Listener, if you enjoy the show and you want a way to give back for all the entertainment we've been trying to give you for so many years, I suggest you join our fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jockandnerd! And you can support the show monthly or annual basis, and we'd appreciate it. We thank all our existing Patreon subscribers and members. Helps a lot. Definitely keeps the show coming out every week. But when you sign up, you get stuff like an exclusive podcast feed where the shows come out early. There's bonus content. I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again now that you're here. Anthony, I enjoyed your Marvel Phase 4 retrospective oh, bonus content. On oh, yeah. I listened to that. Oh, it was yeah. What do you think? Right? Oh, yeah. wow. Very thorough. I was all mostly off the top of my head. That's know? crazy. Yeah. That was very impressive. Even though you couldn't remember names here or there. It's fine. I, yeah, I was forgetting <laughs> names. That I was like, oh my god, I'm getting old. I, I would be used to be able to remember names like like nothing. No, I, I, I can't remember anything. Me neither. So, That's yeah. why I need notes. Don't I feel need bad. Show notes in front of me. I don't know what is happening or where I am. Names are bad for me now. But yes, very good. Listen, you'll only hear that if you sign up for our Patreon and you get Discord benefits. We do monthly hangouts. Uh, we had one just last past week on Thanksgiving Eve. It was lots of fun. The next one will be at the last Thursday in December, December 29th, 8 p.m. Uh, and then there's also a you pick it tier where you can force us to watch and review any movie you want. All of that lovely information on our Patreon. Just go to jockinner.com slash Patreon. Okay. Second review of the show also from Disney, but this time from the Lucasfilm Star Wars side of things. We are going to take a look at the Andor season one finale and the full season as a whole. Here's your spoiler alerts for this one. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. Uh, this one on Rotten Tomatoes is at 96%. Wow. Uh, and 85% uh, audience score. Uh, this is it's a prequel to a prequel, Rogue One, set five years before Rogue One, starring as your title character, Cassie Nandor, Diego Luna, and the standout cast goes like this. You got Kyle Soler as Cyril Karn, Adria Arjona as Bix, Stellan Skarsgård as Luthen. Uh, you got Fiona Shaw as Marva Andor, Denisco as Deidre Miro, and Genoveva Riley as Mon Mothma, returning to reprising a role as Mon Mothma. Uh, and some great appearances by Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis, 
lot of fun stuff in this one. Anthony, we discussed the first three episodes when this thing premiered. They dropped the first three episodes. Yeah. It was a 12-episode series, so kind of like three-episode arcs, like four little mini-movies. So uh, what can you say about what the show is about on the broad uh, level here? Well, this is set way before. There's a prequel before Rogue One when Cassian Andor is not fully into the Rebel Alliance or whatever the hell it's called in that movie. The Rebellion. And uh, he's just kind of out for himself, living on Ferrix. And this is about his journey from becoming just a random guy that was from some some planet where he was kind of like a just like in the forest as a kid. Yeah. And he gets taken and he it's his journey from only caring about himself and his family to finding out the inner workings of the Empire and realizing that by the end he needs to uh have more purpose in his life, let's say that. So you did. You watched all twelve, right? We made you catch up. You caught up. Yeah, I actually ended up binging the last six within the past Ooh. week and a half. Oh shit! I've actually wa- I watched one episode on oh, the plane, shit. and I watched the last five this past weekend. So oh, I binged it. Basically. Shit! All right, so it's super fresh. So again, I'm really curious what you think because when we saw the first three, you know, we talked about how this is really the like least Star Warsy Star Wars show they've ever made. Almost set up perfectly for someone like you who. You know, Star Wars gets a little goofy. It gets a little yep. silly. It's a little weird. Yep. Not this thing. How did you feel after binging the remaining episodes and coming out of this this journey and or takes this season? I was watching this and I thought to myself, I remember when we were seeing trailers for this. And I mean, I, I admittedly think Star Wars sucks general, general overall. I think it sucks. I don't like it at all. And I remember seeing trailers for this and rugs and i even said like who even wants an andor show nobody cares about this so I, my the first thing i thought was just who would have thought that i would like this and i and i do i i i truly enjoyed it i think it's i haven't watched the, the first six episodes in a really long time so i can't say it definitively but out of the stuff that has come out in let's say the last let's say in the you know the new star wars right. era, this is by far the best whoa this is by far the best it almost felt like kind of like prestige TV. Yeah. And you're you're absolutely right. Like you don't have to what what works about it. There's a lot of things that really work. But what one of the things that works is you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to like yep. this. And it really does away with the things in Star Wars that for me always took away from the story, which was these like childish aspects of things and these like goofball um things that they would either write in or characters that were goofy. Like this was very serious. It was done with a lot of. You can tell that was, I think Gilroy is the guy that Tony did Gilroy, this. yeah, who did. Tony Gilroy. Yeah. You can tell he, he he very much cared about what he was doing, and it comes through. There's a lot of everything is shot well. Everything is written pretty well. Everything's acted really well, and it's treated in a way that um, you just don't very see very often with Star Wars. So I I really liked it. I would say it was even a better experience for me getting to binge the last couple of, sure. last few episodes. Yeah, yeah. because. Candidly, I re- I forget what the hell happens in yeah. between Star Wars episodes because I just don't care. Yeah. So for me to, I was actively by the end like, I, I want to finish this show. I, yeah. I really liked wow. it, and um, yeah, I, I'm wow. I'm I was pleasantly surprised too that there's going to be a season two because uh, not to say I'm like anticipating it, but once you guys force me to watch it again, hopefully it's the same quality and I'll I'll enjoy it again. 
I'm, that's great to hear. I had a feeling. I was like, this, she should like this. This is exactly like the reason why we were like, who cares about Andor is the exact reason why the show excels because it's a character we don't know. We only know a little bit of, and it's all new. There's no fan service. There's no Easter eggs. There's no Jedis. There's no lightsabers. Uh, and it's just solid world building rugs. What did you think of Andor season one? Well, I liked it overall. I thought it was very good. I thought it had some of the best dramatic uh, points in any Star Wars anything. The great thing about Andor is that no one gives a shit about Andor. Right. Like, he is really doesn't matter even in his own show. Because it's overshadowed by what's actually happening. All right? You're getting to see how much of a stranglehold the Empire has and... How that they're like, they're just like, like moving their pieces around and getting their machine uh, moving around in the area and doing what it needs to do, regardless of what people it harms or whatever. And that is very reminiscent of a totalitarian government yep. uh, that we've seen in our own uh, backyard and yep. we've seen it in, in our own planet. So it's something we can all identify with. And since Andor is not a major character, since Andor doesn't really have any story to tell, really, you can just use him as the conduit to kind of start actually doing some world building and actually do some storytelling. Because what happens is you have these characters. Now you're in fan service of the character. And now you've got to like, okay, you got to make him do the thing. You got to make him do that thing. And that's fine. All right. That's fine. But. We've already seen this shit, a lot of this shit before, done better. It's good to just be able to see, like, all right, we're taking a character that nobody gives a shit about, no one likes, there's no, like, skin in the game for them, there's no real reason, anything for them to lose. There's no Skywalkers, which is what I was grateful for. Well, it's just, they're not, they're interested in, for once, trying to make Star Wars make sense. Yeah. They're like, listen, like, the, the you never really feel like, why are they evil? Yep. What? Why is they have? Why do they have to be stopped? Yep. And what exactly are they doing? You're thinking about a galactic empire, right? Like this is like something that is so spread out, so like organized that galaxies and galaxies are being held down by this system. That's just amazing. Like you think about the Roman Empire taking over all sure. of Europe yeah. and everything. And they're like, oh, my God, they really extended themselves. But, like, holy shit. Like, they're going through the whole entire galaxy. They have, like, meetings upon meetings yeah, upon great. meetings. You see, actually, they're sitting there. in your work. Yeah, you see the interior mechanizations yeah. of how they fucking sit there and they let all the, you know, they, they let some things happen. They they don't give a shit about certain things, but they concentrate their, their efforts on another thing. And that's brilliantly written. And then you have the opposition that's brilliantly written. You have these people that are that are like uh, you could make the um, comparison to like Hollywood elites that have a lot of power and influence yep, and money, yep. but they disagree with the with, with the direction that the the galaxy is going in. So they have to like do something. Game of Thrones like in certain parts with Mon Mothma. Right. It's great. So uh, there is a lot there to watch, and uh, the. The positions they put Andor in is great. That whole prison thing oh, that shaped dude, yeah. the prison that was break great. Was I, I was so oh. I didn't want to give this away, but I, I fucking hate prison shit. Yeah, 
I love prison. So breaks. as soon as I saw prison, yeah. I'm like, oh, he's in prison. We have this shit to do. I'm like, because I know how it's going to turn out. And I'm like, okay, they're going to have a prison break. Let's see. But they did it so well yeah. that even something that I saw coming a mile away was actually fun to watch. And so that's another thing. When you can do something that I'm totally already know what's going to happen, but you still do that thing, but execute it really well. And you're like, oh, okay. Even though this old fuck has seen this prison break shit a thousand times, you still got me fucking. Dude, you still got me on this one. I was one. cheering. I was up and out of my seat rooting. I was like, kill those fuckers. This is amazing. It was so thrilling. So the show does something great over its like 12 episode little mini arcs. It builds this slow burn tension and then releases it every three or four episodes. And then it builds it up again and releases it. And it builds it up again. So like the first arc, it builds up to him escaping Ferrix and that awesome action scene in the street. And then the second arc is all about the heist at Aldani. And that heist episode is wonderful. And it builds all that. And then I just love how he's trying to hide out on like this party planet. He's got a new name. He's banging some girl. And then he gets arrested for absolutely nothing. Just being in the wrong place. And the lady's like, six years. Just gives him a six-year sentence. And I think he was in there for a year. But then, holy shit, Andy Circus as Kino Loy. That's great. And just the dystopian sets, the white... The on program is fucking it's terrifying. And then when the, he the one of my, my favorite moments is episode nine. At the very end, he finally convinces Kino after he hears from the doctor that nobody's getting out alive. They killed all those people. And he's been asking him. They how- killed all those people. Well, the, well, the thing is, like, they killed all those people because they made a mistake. Yeah. So, they like, made it a mistake. Shows, yes. Yeah. The, they mean the Empire. The they Empire. released a person that they. Yeah. They lost track of who they were releasing and re-putting into another um, prison. Yeah. They lost track, and they put him in. He was on the fourth, and they put him on the second, and they were like, oh, fuck. We oh, fucked talk. up. Yeah. So, like, instead of, like, normal Star Wars, they wouldn't even touch this with a 10-poop pole. Right. But this one, they were like, oh, we're going to kill them. We're just going to have them all, like, gassed, like, freaking, like, the way the Nazis ran yeah. the Holocaust, right? So well, it just, like, made it what, more brutal. This is what yeah. Star Wars would have done. They wouldn't have used humans. Right. They would have used like droids and they would have figured out a way to like not make it as just diabolical. That's what the, yeah. George Lucas did in all of the uh, other ones. They used droids. They used aliens. They used just things that it. you can't feel yeah. bad about yeah. dying. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then, but here it's like you have actual people that, and they have hope of leaving. Yeah. And they have believe in this whole bullshit. Oh, you're going to get out. So like even it's diabolical. They, they, they've, engineered this whole way of being so these people actually work hard they feel like they have purpose they don't give up on themselves yep the and they give them work, false the better, hope yeah the better the be- yeah. better chance you have of getting out you know and then, and then right. yeah and then kino as he's walking he just goes there's never more than 12 guards in the episode ends. i was like oh fuck he's in and i watched so that was the end of episode eight actually oh it was eight okay yeah. i watched episode 10 uh, twice i watched it again the fucking what did you think of the finale so before you get yeah. to the finale real yeah. quick i mean the the that prison escape when when kino makes a speech and they're chanting one oh, way out yes fucking ran, felt like running through a wall yes it was great part. when he goes run climb kill this yeah. is the ch- old best and, chance we're gonna have i was like fuck yeah like, one way out 
And everyone's just like, why, why, how? They just fucking go. That's awesome. It's so great. And look at Andor. He went from being this selfish mercenary to he's leading a fucking prison break. And he's like directing Kino. But what happened to him? He said he couldn't swim. We never yeah, see him jump it. off the thing. Is he dead? It was, sorry, I, I, you were right. One Way Out was episode 10. Then okay. episode 9 is when they figure out that they need to. Yeah, episode 10 is the prison break. But what happens to Kino? What do you got? Like, he never, he didn't. He's dead. He's dead. dead. It's so sad. They they, they definitely play, they definitely show that even though they all escape, a lot of them are dead. A lot of them probably couldn't swim or make it up the mountain. Well, a lot of them died right away, like, once they started throwing shit. Like, people die, and, like, these stormtroopers, these guards shoot, and they don't miss. They hit, and nobody has any... Yeah, they actually seem scary for one. Yeah, and they get killed... I wrote this down, and then we can get to Ruggs' question because uh, we left that hanging. I wrote this down. People die, yeah. which is huge. Yeah. It's going back to like the seriousness and why I think this really works is for the longest time, you, you know, as Ruggs said, the, the Empire, they we were told they were bad, but we weren't really shown why they're bad. Yeah. We're just kind of like, oh, they're evil because, oh, Palpatine or whatever, or oh, Vader or right. whatever. But this, like, they did a smart thing. They they first off they have torture. I mean they're they're yep. torturing Bix with yeah. the screams of dying children. Bix got fucked the, up. They're uh, they people are dying, and I think a, a really smart thing, and I wrote this down was they really played down the stormtroopers. Yep, which I think was smart because yep. the stormtroopers are are basically a joke in my opinion. They they look cool, but they always fucking die. And in this show, they had like real people with real faces that you could look at and go. Oh, like that's the fucking face of evil. It's someone that looks like you or me that thinks they're on the right side of of history when they're actually freaking evil as shit. And they're they're you know they're talking about gassing entire chambers of people in the prison, or if, whether it be that, or whether it be the guy on uh, Aldani talking about how inferior the the people of Aldani are and how they really can't think for themselves, or like them talking about how they're gonna like manipulate this march for this marva's death yeah just as a rat trap give them what they want yeah yeah you know they're like they're talking about these things and you're like this is just straight evil talk but these people don't realize these these people on on the empire side don't even they're so enamored into the cause of what they're doing that they don't even realize how fucking evil they are and then within that you have characters like Deidre Miro, the the blonde cat ISB lady, and Cyril, the pathetic guy who got everybody killed, who had a kind of a he, he's flirting, he has a crush on Deidre. Oh, he's real creepy. He is real creepy. But <laughs> Deidre and he's, he's like Robin Williams in that movie like with the buck the cameras. Oh my god, uh uh, uh was that not insomnia? It was uh one hour one photo. One hour photo. photo. That's yes. the vibe I got where he's this guy's stalking, real fucking creepy. He's stalking Deidre all the time just so he like tries to flirt with her, and she's like, "Stop stalking me! What are you doing?" But Deidre Miro, on one hand, you gotta admire this woman who has ambition, stands her ground, gets heard, rises in the ranks. And then I'm like, suddenly, I'm like, "Wait a minute! She's like a fucking fascist evil person." But I'm kind of like rooting for her, but yeah. I don't want her to succeed. You, you, res- you respect her like work yeah, ethic, absolutely, because she gets the job done. But then you're going, "Oh wait, what the fuck kind of job is she <laughs> yes, doing?" She's trying to kill all these people for no reason. Uh, it's, let's let's talk about that finale just so we can we yes. can circle back on that and we can get into like individual stuff. What did you think of the finale, Anthony? I thought it was good. I I, I Marva's speech at the at the end is, is another one of those like stand up and yeah. clap type moments where it's fight like the empire, fight the empire, and all that. And you didn't realize like the, the empire had no idea 
that this was going to happen. I like the chanting beforehand. Oh, and the whole marching band. It set the tone, yeah. Yeah, the marching, the funeral march, the funeral bands was fucking great, that music. I I enjoyed the finale. I will say that the finale for a show called Andor, he didn't really have a lot to do in the finale. He's just kind of hiding the entire time. A lot of them. Luthan was just standing around the whole time looking at things. He didn't really do much. But I, I enjoyed... And not in like I, I, it's 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 not meant to be enjoyed, but I enjoyed that the fact that they handled a protest like that and they made it kind of feel real with police. Just in this case, the Empire, but you know, police and real world just indiscriminately start shooting at people. Like this is supposed to be a funeral, and everyone's getting shot, and you just you're kind of seeing the it seeds. Felt meta. Of, yeah, yeah, no, it, it felt it felt real, and you're seeing what even like Luthen's plan kind of coming together in a weird sort of way in that like. For people to start rebelling against the Empire, they need to freaking unearth how evil the Empire really is. And in situations like this are what cause a revolution to start. Because when this series starts, all the alliance, although this is a point in history in Star Wars where all the rebel alliances aren't even, they're not a rebel they're alliance. They're not together. They're not an alliance at all. Yeah, yeah. It's all, dis- all these different factions that have different motives and different ways of going about it. So, like, you see this and you go, oh, these are the domino effect of what's going to happen yeah. where we, we create a rebel alliance that, at some point. That kid makes that little fucking pipe bomb, right? And yep. so you got to imagine yeah. this spark. People are going to hear about this around the galaxy and more shit like this. They're going to start to lose control. And you saw like Saul Guerrero, his, he didn't want to get involved. He's got different philosophy. Luthen's trying to talk him in. Luthen's kind of the guy who's going to bring everyone together and he's hardcore. But the finale to me, look, I love that. I love that. Cassian got to see Marva one last time. He, you know, she dies when he's not there. Him finding out, he did a great job. Uh, but and then at the end, it, Cassian shows up to Luthen. He's like, "Kill me or take me in," because he was going to kill him. And then it just ends. It was kind of annoying how it ends, just like every other episode. I kind of wish they had like an episode art conclusion. They could have at least teased a little bit of what was happening instead of just stopping. Dead stop. It was like a little underwhelming, at, a little especially bit. after the prison break yes, that was and the the how, how that built up and exploded at the end. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and this kind of like it built up to a certain degree and it did kind of boil over with the riot and everything. But then Andor's story felt like that there was didn't really do much because he was hiding the most of the time. You, yeah. yeah, he. Yeah. but now he has, he has listened to Nemec's manifesto. He has a reason to be angry. He's l- led the prison break. So like his fucking journey from the beginning of the show to end of the show is, is quite amazing. But he, I, I do agree with Ruggs that his it, it's a little underwhelming from an Andor standpoint. Right. For this for the show to be in Andor. I think it's it's it hits the mark when it comes to the other characters in that final episode. Or or just Phoenix? Or is it Phoenix? Uh, planet, right? Ferrix. Ferrix is the planet. Yeah. You you definitely feel like oh, Ferrix kind of. This is their finale, yeah. but you definitely him 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 sitting there and then like there's not really he doesn't really do anything to like one way or another to start a conflict with the empire. It's all like re- repercussions of his actions, but he doesn't really fix it either. He just kind of I don't know how he could fix it because it felt so real and one yeah. man can't fix it, but. Yeah. You're right. He's just sitting there kind of just hanging out, watching stuff play out. Uh, you talk about Cassian, right? Yeah, because they're, they're looking for him. Yeah. He can't go out there. You know, they, well, they're looking for him, and Luthen's team wants yes, to kill him. and Luthen's trying they to kill think him. He, think, yeah. They think he'll rat everyone out if he gets caught. Yeah, and now Luthen has this dude who's made it through everything and survived and still wants to be in. 
the show, the whole time, the way it reflects life and stuff that's happened in the real world is fantastic. The metaphors are fantastic. I think that what this tells you, and this is like gr- great news, by the way, is that if you are a capable writer and a director, you could literally make anything, no matter how uninteresting, good. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that we have to understand. It's like anything, as stupid as it sounds, you put it in the right hands of the right person, it could be good. You could take the dumbest things and it would be great. So it like Andor, all right, this character that was kind of like nondescript and not really impressive. I mean, in a, in his own movie in 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 the you know, yeah, I don't really Rogue remember One. a lot. He found he got the plans. Yes, you know, I don't remember. I don't yeah, remember him at really, all in Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, I didn't remember. All he did. did was he had the cool robot. Like he was overshadowed K2S, by his cool robot. That's right, K two S O. Yeah. So uh, you know, with Alan Tiddick voicing, well, I can't wait till he gets him in the next season. But um, yeah. So you have this character that's really nothing, and so it's just proof that you anything can be done well. I don't like hearing that. Oh, this is the best they could do. This is like when Marvel makes a movie or something, and like, oh, this is what we get. Like, no, but you can get so much better. It's, mm. And it's like Tony Gilroy's vision, right? This guy, his his perspective. He's the guy that got hired to do kind of rewrites and reshoots for Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. He came. I think he came in. He didn't direct Rogue One, but he came in and no. had to do the ending. He wrote Rogue One and born Ultimatum. But look, well, it, how, how about the uh, speaking of robots, though? Real quick, how yes, about that? What I is it? Droid B B B two emo. B two emo. Oh my yeah. god, I B2 love emo. this droid so much. I mean, much. the freaking point when he's with the uh, I don't know what that character's name was. Uh, uh, was it the big guy um brasso 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 yeah the part where brasso's yeah. leaving after yeah. marva dies and he's like can, can you stay with me for one yeah. night and it's just like oh my god like, I know. even even they're like they even treat the droids you know he's got like, he's he's got a stutter but yes. they even treat the droids not like jokes no and he so was, that yeah that point you know where he does that and then he broadcasts marva and then he gets flipped and he gets over flipped, and you feel like, like he's so gonna mad. die and you're just like this is great like, they, like they're just be. they do everything everything is every character Every moment is treated with such care yeah. that you just go, like, this isn't normal Star Wars just throws in shit yeah. just to throw in shit. I mean, Lucas is notorious for just throwing shit in the background. Yes. Just because he wants to fucking throw shit in the background. More spaceships, more aliens. Yeah. Where this is like every little piece of this I felt was cared for and thought through. And they they make it so that it feels real, even though it's in a galaxy far, far away. It's so grounded, but like you're right. They're talking about characters. Like the Cassian was a great character, but he is surrounded by every character is like super interesting and has a very interesting story. Can we talk about fucking Luthen, who is fucking hardcore? He's a Jedi. A fu- you think so? He's wearing a clo- yeah. he, he's wearing a cloak when he gives that monologue at the end of episode ten about what have I sacrificed? I'll tell you what I sacrificed. And it's fucking badass. And he is so and he's living a double life, very similar to Mon Mothma, who's got to pretend to be in the Senate, but also she's funding a rebellion. But even she was surprised at how brutal Luthen is. Will sacrifice thirty men just so the Empire doesn't know they're onto him. He's like, it's all for the cause. And some of the greatest lines, like he wants the empire mad and panicked. He goes, oppression breeds rebellion. We want them mad. This is, this is exactly what I wanted. And he's just, he's what an amazing character. And to make that switch to the art dealer with the wig. Oh, I love it. Luthen was, was Stellan Skarsgård fucking killing it in this role. I know you 
Put him in a Marvel movie. He's a fucking buffoon. Oh, right. He's the, he's the doctor. <laughs> What's his name? In, uh, uh, Selvig. Selvig, which, yeah, which they underused him. But what do you think about Luthen, Anthony? What side? Did he, was he too extreme? Do you see his point? I mean, Luthen's a, Luthen's a hardline character that's yeah. seen some shit and is one of those that's willing to sacrifice people people for the greater good i mean he you know he willingly knows that this guy krieger is going to get ambushed and slaughtered yes. and he's like we got to do it because because my contact in the in in the um empire is worth more and the, I'm losing men. this contact yeah. yeah is worth more than these men and he even tells saw that so i mean luthan's a a a, a very hardline character i i liked him i mean it just he's just what what they do a really good job of is they show you all the kind of a lot of different perspectives on what the rebel alliance could be and what you know the dissenting opinions on how to get to where they need like, to go. Yeah, traditional Star Wars would be like, no, we could save everyone, right. and then there'll be right. some real heroic act, and then basically you won't feel the effects of sacrifices that need to be made yes. for Absolutely. for war to win. So like it never it, it always seems like a fairy tale when you're watching well, Star Wars. This, Star Wars is always just about good and evil. The, Luthen lives in between in the well, grays. I forget, I forget the I think Saw Guerrero says it. he's like I, I don't know. They're like what what do you call this? Yeah. And Saw is like it's, I call it war. Yes, this is war. Yes, like, this, so good. this is just the uh, a this is just a, a byproduct of war. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The uh, DH. The age force Whitaker, he looked pretty good. He looked young. I don't know. No, he's just black. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Black don't crack. Baby. Yeah, it's true. Uh, no, the rugs is absolutely right too. Like that, they would have done a scene where they would have had uh, like I don't know what. Randall Calrissian would have ridden in with the friggin' cavalry, and right? Saved yeah, or, or like the Millennium Falcon would have pulled like up out of nowhere minute, with yeah. like with uh, Han Solo's stepson, you know, like or Han Solo's father riding in it or some shit like that, right? Like. <laughs> It just and they'd be like, yippee! Yeah, and like you know, it just. It's, I don't know why Star Wars. It doesn't. This proves that Star Wars doesn't have to be fucking lame. No, they take it seriously and get some good, like the writing, the dialogue. Oh my god, the lines. Like, I think that you could. Uh, the thing is, is like people are like, oh, people like humor. People like to have, you know, the, the weight of this could be oppressive. But I mean, it's war, so it should be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. When I was watching, what was that? Nineteen nineteen seventeen. Yeah. 1917 yeah. on what you know there was moments of levity but for the most part it was harrowing right like it's a war it's a star wars it is a war so we finally get to see <laughs> actual wars uh no i fucking yeah it's just i mean i know people I, are sleeping on this unfortunately it did have how how is this how, how are people sleeping because well look the best thing star this is it is this is better than mando it i'll, is, I'll tell you this there's a lot of people who and these are the same people that like I don't know a lot of people who were like this is not Star Wars there's no fun in this where's the, where's the adventure where's the fantasy they they stripped it all and they're in these boring ass this is a very boring and I don't need to watch this type of show for a war show I can watch something else and I understand that but um, what Star Wars has been as of late. If we're talking about Boba, Book of Boba Fett, right. Obi Wan, oh uh, uh, Obi Wan, it has been some really cringy shit. They've been they've been doing some half ass shit, and people have been talking about it like it's great. And uh, the reality is, it's not that good. No. And 
The reality is, is that a lot of people are pumping up shit that is just mediocre at best. We got to raise our standards a little bit. And then this raises the bar quite considerably. Uh, Does it have some of the elements uh, that people require in Star Wars, which is some of the fantastic elements and uh, the heroic elements? Not really. Could it? Could you find a way to blend it? Sure, anything is possible. Well, look, there's a little bit of lasers. That scene where the Luthen's in his hallcraft and the, and the starship finds him and he fucking gets away. And oh, that's la- great. That was amazing. And he lasers those ships. He destroys the tractor beam. That, that was fucking awesome. That was amazing. You, They pull him over and you're like... And that's all tense, too. Yeah, right? it's super. They pull him over and you're like, they... You know, at this point, they've built up the Empire to be fucking evil as shit. So they pull him over and you're like, oh, fuck. And he knows that he can't just get caught, but they don't know what they have. Right. So the the tension is so fucking, you can cut it with a knife there. You're like, what the fuck? How's he going to get out of this? Yeah, he needs to get out of it. And then it's just like, he gets out of it and he has this badass ship. And even though they, they... the TIE fighters have been like made to be jokes. Like for whatever reason in this show, yeah, they're whenever menacing. they launch the TIE fighters, you're yeah. like, fuck man, they got the type. Like yeah. they just, everything's just treated with so much care. And what I, what I really like about this show, even in Mando is what this show and Mando proves is there's like two different sides of the spectrum. Like you can do star Wars well and do like odes to the, like the greater universe and do a little bit of camp. But then you can also do this version of star yep. Wars, which is super serious yep. and has a lot of real world allegories so like there's room in between, but like Ruggs is saying, you just have to make it good. Yeah. And they're not, like a lot of the shit we've been reviewing from Star Wars, whether it be Boba Fett or Obi-Wan, has been uh, either s- average or subpar at best. Well, they're stuck with, with, this, with real shit writing. You know, they're stuck with fan service, existing characters, similar. The, and I think the reason people are sleeping on this is had to compete with two other fantasy prequels the rings of power house of the dragon yeah. all came out at the same time as andor right these are all fantasy prequels yeah. and she hulk and she hulk but house- had, all those things all those things are coming out every day all, i would say out of the four of the at least in my worldview those other three things were taking up a lot of the discourse yep. andor was fourth yeah nobody lot, was, what nobody I was talking what I was about saying. andor and i really yeah. hope people watch it because just like House of the Dragon, it didn't have to include any existing character. You didn't have, you weren't expecting anything, and he uses I, it to great effect. The thing that makes me laugh is that there are people that hate Andor, or they think it's like not Star Wars. But mm. so, the, do you have like you have Star Wars, and you have that at a certain level? Then you have like the barometer of seriousness, and then you have the barometer of silliness. They could make a silly Star Wars that's basically like all jokes and they would love that and go, oh, that's the best thing. Mm -hmm. Those are the quote unquote new fans. All right. Uh, Then you have people who are the old fans that don't want it either, that don't want serious Star Wars either. So who's this Star Wars series for? That's the thing. It is adult oriented. Like you said, Anthony, it is prestige. Like I wouldn't say it's for people looking for, you know, the next baby Yoda no, you know, kind no, of thing. There ain't there ain't things you're coming out of this going. That's a toy. It's almost has a smaller audience within that Star Wars fandom because it is taking taking itself seriously. I, I mean, it's for me. I fucking love this side of this. Seeing just the, I I love the idea how Cassian brings up like the Empire is so fat that they're getting sloppy. They don't. They will not hear us. Nobody's listening. 
yeah, anymore. That was a good conversation. It's so good. And when he goes, when he's talking to Kino, and he's like, well, how do you know they're panicking? And he goes, something like, power doesn't panic, right? They're doing this on purpose. Just there were so many great fucking lines uh, in this thing. And the oh, the line where he's like, I'd rather die, uh, I'd rather die trying to kill them than die giving them what they want or something. And then Kino mm-hmm. repeats that line in his speech. Fucking fantastic. I mean, the, the episode where they have all the, the you know, where they escape um, Ferrix with yeah. Luthen and all the shits falling off. Yeah. And the, the, the eye episodes, the heist is one of the best episodes you'll ever see. Great heist from Star episode. Wars. Yeah. The, the prison break is great. And then, the, you know, Rick's Road is the the ending. It's not, I don't want to say it's, it's good as those other episodes, but it still leaves you in a, you know, it makes you feel something. So I think overall, I mean, it was just... I was very impressed. I was very impressed with what they did and to 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 take something that I think is a joke for the most part mm-hmm. most of the time and make me go by the end of it going, damn, that's that's pretty damn good. I, I yeah, think you're like, impressive. oh, this is almost like an HBO level show. Yeah. It felt it almost I mean, I, I don't know what they how they shot it because it was on but, location. Like, that's why. Yeah. It just the, the, everything felt way more real. Like if you look at. You compare this to a Boba Fett where they're fighting in that town and they're Ugh. having a war in the yeah. streets yeah. and it's like 12 versus 13 people. Yeah. You're like, this isn't the fucking war. Yeah. Like this episode, the last episode, either they had a shit ton of extras or they did a good job CGI because that felt like a full fucking lived in town that they were having that prison. Yes. Uh, that that uh, funeral procession. Ferrix feels so lived in. Like the world building they did was amazing. You could almost smell it. Smell the droid oil. <laughs> I mean, you get what Sinta? I mean, she stabs a dude. Yes. And not only stabs oh. a dude, but then like shoves it up his fucking That's body. Right. She twists it. She killed the guy. Yeah, Vel and Sinta kind of had like a little relationship. Uh, mm. And then Mon Mothma, just little things. Mon Mothma has to. She's. It, we didn't even talk about Mon Mothma. I know that whole political side the of the whole thing where she's trying to get money. She's trying to launder her money, and she kind of agrees to have a have her daughter, their daughter. Throw their daughter. She's pipping out her daughter. So the shady dude. Will fund them. I even loved in the last episode. She knows that she's being watched. That her driver is a yep. spy, and she makes so she, she has the argument about gambling debts with her husband to kind of cover up the fact why is all this money missing. I was like, "Fuck, that's brilliant! Oh my god, that's so good, yeah. so yeah, good." It's, it's very well written. It's very very well written. All right, with that, let's give it a rating and a ranking here with some Star Wars things, maybe the TV shows. Anthony, go first. Final thoughts. I'm gonna go nine out of ten. Nice. I'm, I was almost thinking nine and a half, but Ooh. I think the last episode, I think the two things that detract for me, I thought the last episode was a little underwhelming in terms of the main character, Andor. And honestly, although we just talked about Mon Mothma, I thought that stuff for me was a little boring. I, I, whenever they would cut away to Mon Mothma's deal, I was like, uh, get me back to Andor in the prison or get me back to the heist or get me back to Luthen. Um, so I saw it all, thought all that stuff was... I thought the, the the Mon Mothma was the least interesting of all the stories. Yeah, it was it was too decompressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good way to put it. So that makes it a nine for me. As far as Star Wars, I already said this is the best thing Star Wars has done. Movie, television. Wow. Um, since I can't, I mean, I've, I I I can't comment on the first three up the episodes four through six, which were the first three movies. I, I feel like those are held in higher regard, yeah. or at least Empire Strikes Back. So I can't say it's definitely better than that, but. Definitely best the best thing they've done. Uh, better than Mando and Mando's. I like and I liked Mando. So yeah, damn rugs. What'd you give it? I would tie this with Mando. Um, Mando's a different show, but it, it does what it does very well. Um, but 
when you see the pedigree of this show and how it could be an HBO show, how it could be on that same level of, oh, this is actually could be up for awards, like acting wise and uh, in direction wise, like there's a lot of prestige around this show. Just like the way it was made it was made well. Yeah. And so it's a nine most definitely. Yeah. It's just proof that you could do something well if you really want to. Yeah, man, I, this is like, it's so ambitious. It's the most ambitious thing, but the, just top-notch writing, uh, performance, world-building, storytelling, uh, and it's barely, it's just, outside of Star Wars, it's just a solid sci-fi show about oppression and rebellion and fascism and authoritarianism. I would even say it's it's a show about all those things that happens to be in a sci-fi setting that just right that just and you get a great you got a you got a it just heist. happens to occurs in the galaxy it happens to have a guy that's in a star wars movie you got a prison break you got an amazing heist episode i'm also giving it a nine i do think it's better than mando and i love mando but even mando second season was great but they had to resort to fucking bringing in luke skywalker and so they're yeah. always going to fall back on those fucking things right that's, tr- that's true this one's and, got nothing. just personally for me going back to the mando not to say Mando is very good as well. I just personally like an episodic story rather than a, a villain of the week type yeah, stuff. Yes, and that Mando leans on the villain of the week, and that you know yeah. that's all personal preference. But and that's that show, right? That's how they it wanted that it's, show. It's the cowboy show. Yeah. yeah, this thing gave us great like mini like four mini movies that are connected in three episode structures. But yeah, well, uh, just fucking. Just did, did we know? I, I, because it. I haven't been in the conversation. Did we know a season two was happening before season, the end of this episode? Yes. So here was okay. what happened. Was originally it was going to be five seasons. What? Because it takes place five, five years. Five seasons. Well, because it takes place five years before Rogue One. He was oh. going to do a season every year leading up to Rogue One. That's overkill. That's yeah. that's not. They had to renegotiate. That's not happening. This first season. That's about a year, right? The mm. second season, the three episode story arcs are. It's going to start three episode. Oh, three or episode three episode story, story arc. arcs. Still twelve episodes. It's going to start a year. We're not going to hear the end of that conversation at the end of episode twelve when Cassian confronts Luthen. It's going to start a year after that, and then every three episodes, it's going to jump a year, and it's going to lead right into the guy that gets the Death Star plans into Rogue mm. One. So gotcha. you got to imagine. Here's some plot threads. What the fuck? Well, what about his sister? Remember, he's looking for his sister. There's a whole big thing in the beginning. Yeah, they, they, they dropped that. So hopefully they bring that back and be like, who is his sister? Is he going to find his sister? And I need him to get K2SO because that was the droid that arrested him. But some, at some point, he turns one of them and re, or turns, reprograms them and they become buddies. And uh, I'd be very skeptical if they were going to do more than three seasons. No, no, they shouldn't it's only do... two seasons. It's two 12-episode okay, seasons. So it's going to be a total... Hmm. Here's the shitty thing, though. Just like the other Rings of Power, House of the Dragon, we're going to have to wait till 2024 for this show to come back. Hmm. So they just started shooting it. Do you think Disney's going to learn anything from this? I'm afraid they're going to learn the wrong thing because they're just going to be looking at the data, the viewer numbers, right? They're going what? to be skeptical. They're going to be hesitant, unfortunately. But this is, again, one of the best fucking things are Star the, Wars Are the done. numbers bad? They, I saw articles like this is the least watch out of Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Obi Wan, and Andor. Andor is the least watch. I think well, that's not that's not entirely surprising because yeah. Andor, as Rug said, is is a nothing character. Yeah. But I've seen there's great reviews all over praising the show. I hope that people see these and they go back and they experience this and then they make more. It has a second season, but I want more in this kind of tone. Um, of Star Wars, but I fucking loved it. I fucking loved I it. Play that again, because <laughs> so good. 
<laughs> so we will get season two. Also good though for Star yeah, Wars. You're right. It's, it's not yeah. getting the same amount of views. No, that's what I keep reading. And I just I think people think like you said, rugs. They don't like it because it's slow. Because there's no lightsabers. Blah blah blah. There's there's some lasers and there's some fucking action. I, but I think this show hopefully has legs in terms of like I think people will, if people are smart they'll and they're and they claim to be Star Wars fans they'll, they'll, have, they'll have to hear from someone that it's good. Right. What are the chances that they're going to um, do some fan service? I mean, there was no cameo, no you know, like Saul I mean, Guerrero the only, was the Saul, only yeah. thing. Yeah, but that's a made-up character just for Rogue One. Yeah, no, I think he was around. He exists in canon, and they just put oh. him in Rogue One. He dies gotcha. in that one, also, I think. So that's why we never heard of him. Whatever. But they mentioned Saw, I think, in the prequels. Can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that'd be he's in the Clone Wars. He's in the Clone Wars. Okay, yeah. Ro- Rogue One. When I saw, I I only seen Rogue One once, but I have good memories of it. I thought it was really good. Rogue One did do the 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 um, Vader cameo where he. Destroys everyone on yes, the ship. That's fucking fantastic. So I could, I could see them do maybe throwing in a Vader. Oh, but I that, don't know. Mm, it's Vader. Yeah, Vader is. I don't know what. I don't know what the, where this fits in the timeline. I don't know. It's four. It's, so Vader we're now yet. four years before the first Star Wars movie. In no, Vader's one. around. Vader's at this around. Point. Okay. So they could. They, is Palpatine around at this point? Yes. Yep. They're all yeah, working right. for him. That's who they say the Emperor is, right? Yeah. When we're saying Emperor. Yep. 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 I hope not. They shouldn't. They shouldn't because. They should downplay. They need to downplay all the Jedi stuff and all that other. Done shit. with the Skywalkers, maybe a little bit. I like it. Just it. it once you, once you throw in the Jedi stuff and Vader. Well, at this point, there shouldn't be real. any Jedi around. They're oh. all supposedly dead okay. or hiding. Yeah. And at this point, is uh, Luke and and Leia are they little are they little children at this point? Yeah, yeah, they're like teenagers right now. I guess would be. Oh, okay. Wait, we yeah, didn't even right. talk about. There was a post credit scene at the end of episode twelve. Anybody watch this? Did you I catch did. this? I just caught it. What happens in this post credit scene? I even love this post credit scene. So, did you catch it, Rugs? No. Oh, so it it actually was pretty good. So all the, that equipment that they've been working so tirelessly in the prison to make is equipment to build the Death Star. So, oh, ba- so Andor has basically been unknowingly helping build the Death Star that's going to kill him in Rogue yes, One. Yes, he helps build the thing that kills him. Those star-shaped pieces, mechanical pieces. They were, and who knows what other th- people were making in that prison camp? But yeah, you yeah. see it, and it pulls back, cool. and the Death Star is complete. But it's the laser array that they're they're putting together. The actual thing that fires, it's all pulled out and floating in space, and you see droids connect the star thing. I was like, Very "Oh cool. shit! He made the thing that actually kills him in the end." Oh wow! That, so so that, there's your there's a little fan servicey thing. A little of. bit, yeah, but it was done well, right? At the very end, right. no other episode has any post credits. It, it's sad because these guys yeah. these guys are working tirelessly to build something that can end civilization. I had a feeling they were working on something bad. You know, they're not building something good. Yeah, their own demise. Right? Yes, right. But for me, again, ep- I think it peaked. Episode ten is my favorite of the whole thing. Yeah, I really liked ten. Then the Eldani. And then the escape from Ferrix. But 10 is where it peaked for me. I was this fucking. I mean, just even going to 10 real quick. Yeah. Like, even them just, it felt real in that they're, you've got prisoners running at guards with guns, but yes. they're just like, sac- like not sacrificing, but just like law of averages. Some of them are going to die. It all makes swarming. You know? yeah, yeah. You, you got to play the numbers. That's the best thing you can do. There's only 12 you of know? them. He's like, there's 5,000 of us. We can right. take them. And then when they got the weapons, I was like, fuck yeah, shoot these motherfuckers. This is amazing. 
Oh, it really so helps good. that they have these the the bad guys not covered, not having their this feet is, covered. This is great for Tony Gilroy too, yep. because if he gets another show, I'm going to be tuning in to see what he does. What has he done? He did uh, uh, Born, Born, one of the Born movies. He wrote a couple of Born movies, and then Michael Clayton apparently is very good. Oh, I yeah. haven't seen Michael Clayton. Yeah, in terms of political drama, duplicity. Duplicity. He wrote and directed the fourth. He wrote the screenplays for the Bourne trilogy and then directed the fourth. He did direct the fourth one. Yeah, and that's got a lot of kind of espionage. You got espionage. You got everything in the show. It's fucking great. Okay, let's do some news from the nation. Here we go. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. The nation, of course, I'm referring to our Facebook group, Jock and Nerd Nation listener. You can join right now. It's exclusive closed group for us to hang out in post geeky things. I got mostly I got comments about going. Let's go back to Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. A lot of comments from our listeners. Logan Janice from the Mostly Superheroes podcast says super fun and easy. I'll watch again and again. I do think they may have enhanced, exaggerated Mantis's powers a bit. She's an empath, but seemed to be straight-up telepath here. Groot regressed back to a baby, I guess. He seemed more mature as a teenager in Infinity War. I did love that end credit scene, though. He was very childlike, even though he should be maturing, which is weird. It's all the roids he's taking when he's working out. <laughs> it shrunk his acorns. Yes, he's got tiny little acorns. Uh, Logan says, more rocket, please. Glad he got Bucky's arm. When are we getting the story of how Nebula got that? That could be a special presentation. How Nabila got Bucky's arm. You just press the button. It comes off. Remember, they showed us the Dora Melange did it in Falcon and Winter Soldier. They just fucking took the thing right off. You just tickle his armpit. Yeah, he tickles yeah. his armpit. The arm falls <laughs> off. It's easy. He says, Drax is Drax. Peter got a new sister. I think it's sweet, but also whatever. It made for a nice ending. More Craglin. Craglin is great. He's learning how to use his fin. Uh, I think he'll be badass with those arrows in the next movie like Yondu. Pick it up. Uh, Daryl K says this was awesome and stupid and cute and dumb. Everything I expected and wanted it to be Jamie Robinson, who is Mr. Throwback Thursday on the Mr. Throwback Thursday podcast. I am just glad they didn't give us six minutes of Groot speak in the beginning. Like the last holiday special I watched did with the Wookiees. Oh, that's the thing, Anthony. In the original 70s holiday special, the Wookiees were talking and it was all like subtitled, but it was like a 10 minute scene of them just going. And it was like subtitles. Probably didn't need to do that. Do that again, I can't even do it. I can't. That's a bad wookie. I'm going to hurt myself. Uh, here's a group member, Shagadelic Cybertron. Speaking of GoBots, that mm. I loved it. I'm happy with what they did for Quill, giving him actual family after always losing. He definitely enjoyed it. And then I have one comment from uh, Chris Marin about Andor. It was awesome. Best Star Wars since Rogue One. I think everyone can agree right. on that. And then I just wanted to share this one thing. Daryl K wrote a nice thing on our Facebook post. He said, I still look forward to comics, movies, reviews from this show, meaning us, because the guys still focus on what they like and how much fun a movie was over its problems while still discussing what went wrong. I have stopped listening to multiple other comics slash movies slash TV podcasts because listening to mostly dudes of a certain age repeatedly shit on movies that are ultimately supposed to be entertaining has long since gotten ridiculous. Yeah, it. I was gonna. I, this is something that I thought of. Not that I saw Daryl K's comment, but it, it is 
it's fun to shit on things, but it's also fun when you have things like this that come out in Guardians yes. where it's actually good and you can talk about things that are good. Like, I, I think this podcast as a whole doesn't likes to shit on things, but doesn't take pride on shitting on everything. We'll give credit where it's due. No, I mean, look at how much we enjoy these fucking 90s movies, action movies. Some are, which there's, you could shit all over them, but they're fucking amazing and fun. Yeah. I love shitting on things when they're bad, yeah. I, especially when they're bad, because... I don't think I should reward like shitty, you know, filmmaking or sh- or or shitty handling of an IP. I think that you know, a show like Andor shows you if you have someone who has talent yep. and has a, a good idea that you, you can raise the bar on something that people would once think is silly. So I I don't uh, just like everything, but when I do like, I always try and find. And if, if let's say Anthony likes something or Imran likes something, I make fun of Imran and I'll just say, <laughs> I'll agree with Anthony. But like, yeah, but I, I, if someone really likes it and they make their case, I'm like, okay, well, that's valid. You know, that's cool. Like, we, I can roll with that. I mean, shitting on th- movies is fun, but like the feeling I get when you talk about a movie that's real fun and entertaining and you just laugh, like that feeling is better than the feeling you get when you're shitting on movies because that's a different feeling. So I always try to angle it that way, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I just think some people have an agenda to hate on everything yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's annoying. It's not necessary. And that's not that's not how it has to be. No, it doesn't. Okay, let's finish up with some what are we watching? Anthony, you watched anything aside? Well, no, you binge watched Andor. Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't busy. able to watch anything outside because I was binging everything. All my time was going to catching up for the show. So that's what I got. I appreciate it. Rugs, you watch anything? Yes, I did. Watch? I watched Pantheon, uh, animated show on AMC. It is really good. Uh, the first half of it is f- fucking phenomenal. The last half is uh, it drops down a little bit, but basically it's just you know it's remember that show Upload? Yeah, it's like as if they did they did that seriously. It's basically like a, there's a Steve Jobs kind of guy, and he's like a like a messiah. He's like this guy that's so creative and so like needed, and he dies. And uh, before he he's, he gets cancer or something, before he dies, he's coming up with all these different ways to like become immortal, right? And in the cloud, upload to the cloud. So one of them, one of them is uploading in the cloud. Okay. The other one is uh, he has other uh, all these other options as well, but um. Um, so he develops this, like this flawed upload system and it follows the story of this girl whose dad is one of the programmers. He also gets sick and he's one of the first people to be uploaded into the cloud. This looks good. What, where do you, where did you watch it? It's on AMC plus it's on AMC plus. I watched it illegally on bootleg. (laughs) I don't have AMC Um, plus. I want to watch this now. This looks cool. I think I saw the first episode for free on, uh, Amazon prime. It's on the Roku channel also, apparently. And I just got hooked because it was so well done. Better than peripheral? Did I see peripheral? I didn't see the peripheral. Oh, you seen the peripheral? Okay. I haven't seen that. No. Either. It might be the same. But, but this is like an animated show where it was like really well done, like really well acted. Um, the music is great. Uh, the sound design is great. So it's like it really pulls you oh, in. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, there was a certain point where I was like, I have to watch the next episode. I can't not know what happens. So um, I I liked it. I didn't like the way it ended because 
what happens is they end up putting too many characters Spoilers. into it. Yeah. And then it gets overstuffed. Then you're like, all right, now there's too many things going on. William Hurt, Paul Dano, Daniel Day Kim. Um, Yeah, there's there's like a lot of uh, big voices in this. Judd Apatow's daughter, I believe, right? Uh, Uh That's pretty good. That's a pretty good cast. I don't have AMC Plus, but now I want to watch this. Anyways, I watched some things. Uh, I caught up on the Universal Soldier. A great movie. Uh, Mm. uh, I mean, it was rather enjoyable. I I just want to eat. What's the, yeah? That's all he wanted to do is eat. What's not to enjoy when you have Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren going at it? And yeah, as like a B movie Terminator movie, it's it's fucking enjoyable. I thought. Where it should be- I shoot her in the chest? No, in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be more more sci fi, but it's like a little sci fi. Sci-fi. It's just an excuse to get those two on the oh screen. Oh my god! And like the 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 violence and the final fight is fantastic because Jean Claude is just spin kicking the shit <laughs> out of Dolph. Doesn't he spin kick him into a through a like wall a, wood chipper? Or no, I watch a wood chipper. Yeah. yeah, no, he kicks him and then he gets impaled on these spikes and then yeah, and he then turns he puts on him through the wood chipper. The right? wood chipper, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but you have JCVD dancing. With the Vietnamese. It's amazing. This is great. He does the splits twice while he's dancing. Wait, he dances with the Vietnamese in that movie? That's not that movie. No, not at all. That's Kickboxer. Oh, that's Kickboxer. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's all blurring together. I've seen so many of these. (laughs) I think you're watching too much Space Ice. I think it was Space Ice that told me that this is the best scene. He doesn't dance in this one, but he He does kick everyone's ass in a diner. Yeah, that's a great scene when he's just trying to eat. He eats a lot. Yeah. Him trying to act like Terminator is hilarious. Cause him, him, him tasting the food and his reactions to like he's supposed <sighs> to be a, like not having eaten yes. food in a long time. He's like, <laughs> him discovering food again yeah. is really yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, and then even in the beginning when the, in Vietnam and they shoot each other dead at the same time. Hilarious. How does that happen? Does that ever happen? Oh, yeah, they do shoot each other dead. And then I was confused because it's like 69, but they never like reset or it never says like present day or what year it is. And I'm like, the fuck? Were they frozen? How long has passed? And it's just like 90s. It's generic 90s. Uh, but no, it's fun. Fun movie. It's a, do you think it'll go far in the turning? It might go halfway a little bit. I don't know. It's definitely it definitely getting the top. 20, I would say. I mean, there's, you know, you have Van Damme running with explosions behind him. And I mean, you got kicking. two heavyweights in there. Dolph is actually fun to watch in this, too, because he's got a little bit of yes. personality. Is it Roland Emmerich? No, uh, it is. Yes. It's a Roland, it's Emmerich Roland Emmerich joint. So is it uh, of the of the four? I guess I'm kind of spoiling this, but we might as well just <laughs> quickly say of the four Van Damme movies, you like this one the best. Um, nothing can top Hard Target environment. Right, At this that point, fucking, Hard Target, oh, God. it's got the mullet. On, it's it's like Wilfred Brimley, Uncle Duvet. Yeah, he got a mullet. The mullet is a character in itself yeah. in that movie. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. You got him like exposing his leg like a gun. Yeah. yeah and then true. kicking someone's ass. Okay. And then I got just two last things on Netflix. By the way, Universal Soldier on HBO Max. So you don't even have to pay for it if you have HBO Max. Ooh. Go check it out. Netflix has a couple of great things right now. I did. I got sucked into. I binge watched the entire Wednesday series. The Adams family. How was it? You know what? It's not bad. I, they, 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 there's some good things and some bad things. Bunch of episodes directed by Tim Burton himself. This is why I was really. Yes, this is why I was like, oh, I have to watch fucking Tim Burton directing TV. Also created by Alfred Go and Miles Miller. Then they do. Those are the Smallville guys, right? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
The show is it's fun. It's uh, it's it's it cleverly. It's kind of like a goth Veronica Mars. There's an overarching murder mystery in the show. Wednesday gets uh, expelled from her normie school because she uh, right. some kids fight. like you see in the trailer. She releases the Barracudas and the Polo team, and she goes to this Nevermore Academy where her parents went. That is a school for outcasts. So a weird thing you take a character like Wednesday who the fun part is that she is an outcast among normal people and you put her with other outcasts you kind of diminish the Wednesday whatever but in the school you got werewolves you got gorgons you got sirens you got vampires uh you got shapeshifters it's kind of cool Jenna Ortega is wonderful as Wednesday Adams she nails it Gwendolyn Christie plays the principal also great uh and Christina Ricci plays a, a school counselor who played the original Wednesday Adams. So it's not as like, it could have been more macabre and more dark, but it's pretty dark. And there's some funny lines at Wednesday gets to say in context, a lot of fun nods to the original, you know, with it working into the story, like the snapping and a thing is great thing hangs out with her. And he's like one of my favorite characters out of the whole thing. So it's, it's a good twisty. A hand is your favorite character. Thing is amazing. Thing is a great character. Just a hand. Way you can emote. So it kept me guessing. I, you know, I almost figured out what was going on, but I didn't. It was a good twist. It was fun. I, I kind of liked it. I will give it like a seven and a half, eight out of ten. It was good. Oh wow! It was fun. There are hour long episodes, and there's eight episodes total. Um, oh, and you got Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester. Uh, Gom- uh, Luis Guzman is great as uh, uh, Gomez Adams, and then uh, Catherine Zeta Jones as the mom, Morticia Adams. But you learn a little bit more about the Adam's history and stuff, and Wednesday kind of has powers, sort of. Uh, so it's cool. The other fun thing you should check out on Netflix is this four-episode docu-series called Pepsi Where's My Jets. Oh, I saw – I didn't watch it, but I saw the preview, yeah. Anthony, have you heard about Pepsi Where's My Jet? No. There was a promotion in the 90s, mid-90s, like 1995, height of the Cola Wars. Pepsi has a great idea. Let's get people's, give people swag, get them earning points, drinking Pepsi. And we'll give you like a t-shirt, leather jacket, shades, Pepsi swag for points. So they put out this commercial where this cool teen kid steps out and he's got like a Pepsi shirt. And it says Pepsi shirt, 50 points. And he puts on a Pepsi jacket. It was Pepsi jacket, hundred points. He's going to school the whole time. There's these weird shots of like this plane flying over the school flying past the school, paper flying, and they're showing you more Pepsi swag. And the whole thing ends with this kid in a, holding a Pepsi can, landing in the front of his school in a Harrier jet, vertically. You know those Harrier jets? They take off vertical, land vertical, very cool thing. And it says, Harrier jet, 7 million points. And there's no fine print anywhere on this commercial. Like if this was a contest, you would have like, you know, regulations, rules apply, a little small, nothing. Says Harrier Jet, seven million points. So there's this kid, this twenty year old college student, John Leonard, who sees this, and this kid's like an adventurer. He's a climbing guide for mountains. He loves mountain climbing. He's like, I want to do something with my life. I'm gonna get this jet, and it goes through to the story. He has a buddy he's met on these climbs who's a little bit older, who's got a lot of money. He's also a thrill seeker, a risk taker. He figures out. For 7 million points, I need to spend like $4 million to buy 1.4 million cases of Pepsi. And he's going to try to raise this money. He was ready. He had a business plan where he was going to buy warehouses and hire employees across the, the city in California where he lived. 
to house all this shit. Then that falls through. It's cost prohibitive. It's not going to work. Then he picks up the catalog. Now, this Harrier jet is not in the Pepsi catalog that's official where you redeem your points. He picks up the catalog, and in the fine print of the catalog, he notices it says you can buy Pepsi points for $0.10 cents if you want. So his $4 million price tag comes down to $700,000 to get 7 million points. And the dude, his buddy, Todd, writes him a check, funds this, and they send it to Pepsi. And they draw in a box that says Harrier Jet. And they mark it. And I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but it's basically in return. They assumed everyone was going to think it was a joke. They're like, ha ha, funny. Here's coupons for two cases of Pepsi for your troubles. And then they start to sue him or something. And he gets fucking Michael Avenetti, uh, who's the lawyer who eventually uh, uh, defends Stormy Daniels from Trump when that whole thing happened. He's like 25. He's a young, upcoming lawyer. He gets Michael Avenetti involved. They get a whole team. They try to go up against Pepsi to say that, look, this ad said you were going to give us a Harrier jet for 7 million points. I want my jet. This kid just, at one point, they offer him a million dollars. And he turns it down. He goes, no, oh, I, want, no. I want the jet. I want. Does he get the jet? Ah, uh, spoilers. Uh, here we go. Spoiler alert. He does not get the jet. All right. At the end, it goes on for a couple years. But you learn a lot of things. Pepsi had a promotion in the Philippines that went badly and people died and rioted and they were firebombing, firebombing Pepsi trucks because they just. Oh, Jesus yes, because they ran this promotion really bad. Some And yeah, people died. So. They tried really hard and it went to court and the fucking the court lady threw it out and said, no, no normal person would think this is an offer, a real offer. But his argument was like, look, you are you're advertising to kids, to teenagers. They would think this is an offer, whatever. And if you said it on the ad, if it's there in print in the ad, you, that's a, that's a legit offer. You got to pay up on it. So at the end of the day, a judge threw it out and that was yeah. it. And uh, but he's like, I made lifelong friends and blah blah blah, and he did some other things. It's a fun, it's a fun breezy four part docu series. Uh, you know, kind of in a tongue in cheek fashion. I, I will never watch it because I know what happened. Yeah, he doesn't get the jet spoilers. But I, it's a, I love these kind of things, these crazy stories from the fucking nineties that got lost, and you're like, yeah, what? It was all over the news apparently back then. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to the dude in the jet? Did not get the jet. All right, that's it for this week. Rugs, where can the people find you online? Aside from your toilet. You can still find me on Twitter. You can find me on my toilet, too. But you can find me on Twitter at Really Rugboy. Sometimes you'll find me on really uh, on Twitter at Really Rugboy, and I'll be on my toilet yeah. while uh, you're interacting. You never know. You can One can imagine. Uh, you didn't join the Hive. Anthony, are you going to join the Hive social? Is this the new thing people are jumping on? I don't know what that is. Oh, apparently it's like the, everyone's leaving Twitter for Hive or something called Mastodon, which is a little more complicated, but. They're, they're, mm, yeah. Sounds aggressive. Mastodon. Mastodon. Yeah. Right. Dinosaur themed. But no, Hive is like the next Twitter and everybody's leaving. I don't know. We're still on Twitter too. So, so is Ruckboy. Let everyone leave. Yeah. I want, you know, I'll have it it's all great. to myself. We Twitter of what? Uh, <laughs> check the show notes for stuff, uh, how to support the show, how to get in touch, how to follow rugs. Thank you for listening to the Jock and Nerd podcast. My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the Jock. He's a nerd. We will peep you next time. I fucking love I'm playing. I really don't give a shit.